Hey folks, Andy Patton here. The Gonzaga career for center Chet Holmgren officially came to a close last week when he declared for the 2022 NBA draft. We are going to reminisce about his excellent season in Spokane, review the best and worst case scenarios we had for him before the season, and talk a little bit about what his future might look like and what that means for Gonzaga all right here on the Locked On Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. I also want to thank all of you who continue to make Locked On Zags your first listen every day, as well as those of you who have checked the show out on our YouTube channel. We are over 500 subscribers, very, very close to 600 subscribers trying to get to 1,000, so please, please, if you are a listener to the show, just go to youtube.com, search Locked On Zags, and hit that big orange subscribe button. All right, we are talking all things Chet Holmgren today, the next episode in our season in review series. We waited to do Chet until he officially declared for the NBA draft, not that it really mattered. There was not a chance that he was going to return to Gonzaga and continued his college basketball career. He had one and done written all over him from the day that he crossed over Steph Curry when he was 15 years old, put him on the map, was his first viral video. Of course, he then became teammates with Jalen Suggs at Minnehaha High School in Minnesota. It was long, long rumored that he was going to come to Gonzaga, a player that had been tabbed as the the top player in his class. He made it official. April 19th, 2021, so just over a year ago from when we are listening to this. What a year it was for Chet Holmgren to be in a Gonzaga uniform. Biggest recruit in school history, the consensus number one. He was the first consensus number one, according to 24-7 Sports, since R.J. Barrett. It doesn't happen all that often. He was that kind of dude coming out of high school, and he was phenomenal. I know some people... Probably not a lot of Gonzaga fans who watched him, but certainly people who maybe didn't watch very many of their games this year or didn't watch their games at all this year might look at his stats and think, oh, those are good, but not necessarily elite. And I think that's just because the role that he was willing to take at Gonzaga didn't give him the same opportunity that maybe, for example, Ben Simmons had at LSU or that Markel Fultz might have had. It was just a different scenario. But at the end of the day, Chet Holmgren finished his one and only season in Spokane. Averaging 27 minutes per night, playing in 32 games. He was an immediate day one starter for the Zags. He averaged just over 14 points, 9.9 rebounds, did not quite average a double-double, just needed like one more board somewhere in order to get there. 3.7 blocks per game, 1.9 assists per game. He shot a 60.7% from the field. That included 39% from deep and 73.7% on two-pointers. I want to think about that for a second. Basically, three-fourths of his two-point attempts went in. That is an absurd number. Gonzaga fans are getting very spoiled by players who convert extremely high rates around the rim. Drew Timmy has been a machine at that for many years. Chet Holmgren just had an otherworldly number in terms of efficiency around the rim. Brandon Clark 
was excellent at it. Philip Petrusev had his issues, but quite frankly, his numbers were still better than most big men around the country. This has been a tremendous area of strength for the Zags, and Chet Holmgren took it to another stratosphere by finishing it with just under 74% around the rim. His first big game, at least on Gonzaga's calendar, was against Texas, and it raised some eyebrows because he finished the game with just two points and five rebounds. I think there was a lot of consternation amongst NBA Draft Twitter, amongst Gonzaga Twitter, college basketball Twitter, that maybe he's not ready for this level, and there was some concern about you know, the, the role that he played in that game. I, I love pointing out this stat, and I'm going to use another excuse to bring it up again. Uh, according to, I believe it was Synergy Sports, but I could be incorrect about where I got this information. Uh, 15.15% of the shots were at the rim for Texas when Chet Holmgren was in the game, compared to 54% of their shots were at the rim when Chet Holmgren was out of the game. So in his second game, he was already making a tremendous impact on the floor defensively, even if it didn't bear out in the statistics. We started to see him get more comfortable as the year went on. Uh, The big week, feast week for the Zags, he was an absolute monster, putting on a show, 15.6 boards, four blocks against UCLA on a crisp six of eight shooting. And then he followed that up with 16.7 boards and three blocks against Duke while shooting eight for 13 from the field. I think there are some people out there who still have this belief that Chet Holmgren's stats are inflated because of what he did in the conference play. And while his league play numbers are very, very good, it's worth pointing out that the numbers he put up against a bunch of NBA players at UCLA and a bunch of NBA players at Duke are still very, very good. But we got into league play, we saw him turn it on to another level. In that time period, he averaged 15.3 points, 10.5 boards, 3.7 blocks, so he stayed consistent there. Bumped the three-point shooting up to 45%. Bumped the free throw shooting up over 80%, which is a huge development for Chet Holmgren as well. He had a monster streak in early February where he scored 20 points in four out of five games in the first five games of the month. That included a career-high 23 against the Toreros of the University of San Diego. That was Chet Holmgren's very infamous 98-second burst where he scored 11 points, grabbed a rebound, had a block, caused Sean Farnham to just straight up laugh on the broadcast during the game because it was such a ridiculous stretch from Chet Holmgren that just seemed, for lack of a better word, otherworldly. He is truly a unicorn and was able to do some of the most impressive, unprecedented things uh, during the season for Gonzaga. Getting into the NCAA tournament, he had 19.17 rebounds and seven blocks against Georgia State. A truly monstrous game, nearly finished with a triple-double in his first ever NCAA tournament game. I know that first half of that game did not go particularly well, but Chet Holmgren had a monster night and deserves to be remembered for so. His stats don't look as good in the other two games. Nine points, nine boards, four blocks against Memphis before he fouled out. However, he did a very, very good job on Jalen Duran, a potential lottery pick out of Memphis. Duran had seven points on three of 11 shooting. It's fun to point out to people who think, oh, look at Chet struggling against NBA players when Duran had less field goals made than Chet Holmgren had blocks. I would not consider that struggling necessarily. Chet didn't have his best offensive game, but Duran wasn't the one guarding him. So that wasn't really a factor in that game at all. And then he had a double-double against Arkansas, 11 points, 14 rebounds before fouling out the 
conversation around the officiating in that game has been has been beaten to death, quite frankly. Uh, but yeah, his fouls in that game were pretty pretty touchy. There was a couple of them that certainly didn't seem like they were the kind of things that have been called on him consistently throughout the year. Uh, it was a tough year in officiating for college basketball, and it was very unfortunate to see Chet Holmgren's college career and Gonzaga's season end the way that it did. All right, that's a primer on Holmgren's lone season in Spokane. We're going to come back in the second segment. We're going to look at the best and worst case scenarios that I laid out for Chet in October of 2021 before his first season in Spokane. But before we get there, I want to tell you all about Athletic Greens. I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what the hype was about. I've been on it for about six weeks now, and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy. It has this kind of mild, tropical taste that I actually look forward to every morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging all of the things. There is so much to love about Athletic Greens. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything while still tasting good. It supports better sleep quality and recovery. It costs you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. And Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews and has been recommended by professional athletes. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com college. Again, that is athleticgreens.com college to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, segment two, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking all things Chet Holmgren after his first season in the city of Spokane. We're going to go back to October 2021. I did a best and worst case scenario for every player on Gonzaga's roster discussing what I thought was going to be the high end of their potential accomplishments this upcoming season and the low end of their potential accomplishments. It was definitely fun more fun to do with incoming freshmen where there was a much wider range of potential outcomes. So it's exciting to kind of look back on what we thought could be a realistic case for Chet Holmgren and how he how he fared when talking about those things. So the number one best case scenario for Chet Holmgren was a pretty simple one. He is the National Player of the Year and the first overall pick in the 2022 NBA draft. Obviously, we did not quite get there. Lots of phenomenal candidates for National Player of the Year. Uh, Holmgren was never a super serious candidate, in part because his teammate, Drew Timmy, was often the more serious candidate, but both these guys were on watch lists throughout the season. Both these guys were realistic candidates, uh, or at least like dark horse candidates throughout the year, which is a really tremendous accomplishment to have two front court players who play virtually the same position both be in that conversation throughout the year. Uh, and then first overall pick in the draft, we're not there yet. We don't know, but it's pretty darn realistic that that could happen. Right now, it's some combination of Chet Holmgren, of Jabari Smith out of Auburn, Palo Bancaro from Duke, 
Those are really the realistic first pick options. Jaden Ivey from Purdue could be a, kind of a dark horse to be there as well. But Chet has a very realistic chance of being the first overall pick in the draft. So when you're the number one recruit out of high school and you're going to be a one and done, it feels like being the t- number one pick is almost like the expectation, which is really difficult to levy on a player. But if he finishes anywhere in the top five, that's a massive win uh, for what he was able to accomplish in Spokane. Best case scenario for Chad Holmgren is he is the best defensive player in school history and shatters the single season block record. So I wouldn't say that he shattered it, but he did break it. It took him until the final game of the season uh, in order for him to do so. He played, I believe, one less game than Brandon Clark played in his college career. Uh, But Holmgren still managed to break the single season block record as for best defensive player in school history. In terms of shot blocking, absolutely. I think there's uh, Brandon Clark was great. Don't get me wrong. There, they've had some other great defensive players. Austin Day was very good. Uh, they've had some great defensive players in the in the backcourt as well, obviously. But Chet Holmgren impacted games ways that I've never seen anybody else do in a Gonzaga uniform. Some of the stuff that he did was just absolutely ridiculous, and it was. It's a bummer to not get to continue to watch him operate the way that he did because it was an absolute blast this season. Best case scenario for Chad Holmgren is he can effectively play defensively away from the rim, and it allows Timmy to play under the hoop in certain matchups. This didn't happen all that much, but Chad Holmgren was an effective defensive player away from the rim. He proved that he can handle switches on the pick and roll, that he can step out in transition, that he can at least keep his body in front of guards who are trying to drive past him. He's going to struggle with that a little bit more in the NBA because those guards are bigger and stronger and faster, but he's still got enough length and body control that I think he's going to be capable of doing it. And when guards attempted to take him off the dribble this year, it did not usually go particularly well for them. Best case scenario for Chet Holmgren is that he is the team's best three-point shooter and he is over 40%. Close. Very, very close. He shot 39% on the season. He was Gonzaga's second best three-point shooter for the most part, maybe third, depending on the situation. He was a little bit streaky. He was he struggled to shoot in the half-court offense at the beginning of the year. I think at one point he was shooting 17% on threes in the half-court offense, but like over 40% on transition threes. Eventually, he ironed that out and started becoming a really, really lethal half-court offense three-point shooter. That's something that I think if that skill carries over at the next level, he's going to be really, really good right away. But as it stands, seven foot one kid shooting 39% on the season is pretty darn good. Best case scenario for Chad Holmgren is teams try to play a zone a lot, and Chet hitting from three makes that more difficult. We didn't really see a lot of zones. That was something I anticipated Gonzaga seeing a lot more of during the during the preseason. I kind of thought with Chet and Drew, we're going to see a lot of zone. They're going to force Gonzaga to shoot from the outside. Not a lot of teams tried this, uh, and Gonzaga was a pretty streaky outside shooting team, so it would have been interesting to see a few more teams really try to pack in a zone and potentially force Drew Timmy to do something else with the basketball. I don't know that it would have worked all that well because especially when Gonzaga started to get hot from three, but it wasn't something we saw all that much. Best case scenario for Chet Holmgren is his post moves look like a veteran, and I said Kyle Wilcher, question mark, and he can score on fadeaways and moves to the rim. So we saw glimpses of this, but the half-court offense just was so dominated by Drew Timmy for most of the time that we didn't see Chet do a lot of like, Dirk Nowitzki style fadeaways and just hand him the basketball 17 feet away from the hoop and let him go to work like that just wasn't really a huge part of Gonzaga's offense I think very I feel very confident that he could have done that quite successfully and the glimpses we did see were very very good but for the most part his scoring was relegated to right underneath the basket either short alley-oops 
or low post moves where he didn't he was within three feet of the hoop or the outside shooting. And then finally, concerned about his weight are a non-issue. He plays physical and puts on muscle. He didn't put on weight. Uh, most players don't put on weight during their first college basketball season. In fact, most players lose weight during their first college basketball season because it is a grind and it is difficult to eat enough calories to not lose weight when you're working as hard as you are. Uh, but I don't think his weight was an issue. There was a few games where people say, oh, look, he got pushed around. And there was a few games where he he did, and that happens. But it wasn't. It was not a prevalent issue. Even in the games that people think it was an issue, like the Memphis game, it just wasn't. He uses his length so well that even if a guy gets into his body a little bit, he can still alter shots. He can still have an impact. And I think that was the skill that maybe wasn't as noticed in Chet Holmgren as it, as it should have been. Looking at the worst-case scenarios laid out before the season for Chet Holmgren. Worst-case scenario, his slight frame causes him to get pushed around by bigger post players. This was the big concern for Chet Holmgren. It still remains the big concern that NBA teams are likely going to have about Chet Holmgren. Certainly that NBA fans on Twitter have about Chet Holmgren. That is about the only thing that they can talk about. Uh, Like I said, people like to think that he got pushed around by some of those bigger bigs, and obviously he did not face as many of the big bigs as he might have had he played in another conference, which is something that people are very quick to remind people about for Chet Holmgren. But at the end of the day, when he went up against Mark Williams, what did we say? He had 16-7 and seven against Duke. When he went up against Jalen Duran, who he held to 3 of 11 shooting, like he, he didn't struggle in some of the big games against the bigger opponents that Gonzaga played. So I just don't think that this ended up being a big issue for him. Does he need to put on weight to be the best version of himself in the NBA? Yeah, probably. But it's going to be easier to put on weight when you're playing professionally than it is while you're still trying to do everything else in college as well. Worst case scenario for Drew or for Chad Holmgren, excuse me, is that lineups alongside Drew Timmy are disjointed and they don't work well together. This was not an issue whatsoever. It would have been a very big issue had they been unable to play together particularly well because they're the two best players on Gonzaga's roster, but they they were willing to let the other thrive. We talked about Chad Holmgren only scoring two points against Texas. Well, Drew Timmy had 37 in that game against Chris Beard's defense. So why did Drew, Drew didn't, or excuse me, Chet didn't need to score a whole bunch of points in that one because Drew was kind of taking over. We saw them kind of do that at points throughout the season. Uh, It seemed like they had a really good yin and yang down low and, and, and knew how to play off of each other in a way that made Gonzaga successful. Worst case scenario for Chet Holmgren is his three-point shot is not as consistent as hoped, and he's closer to 33 to 35%. So again, 39% is where he finished, so he was much better than those low-end predictions. He was a bit streaky, but by the midpoint of the season, that streakiness had kind of gone away. I think he was just getting his feel for when he was going to shoot in the half-court offense and kind of what his role was there. But once once that got ironed out, he was a, a knockdown outside shooter. Worst case scenario for Chet Holmgren his mid-range game is underutilized or ineffective. He mostly scores around the rim. So this this did happen. This is basically exactly what happened is he just his mid-range game wasn't utilized. Like when NBA scouts are are combing through video to look at Chet Holmgren, this is an area that they're not going to get a lot of indication about where he's at. I think he's going to be very good at it. And I think if you asked him to score in the mid-range and kind of stretch the defense that way, he was more than capable of doing it. But he didn't do it a ton at Gonzaga. Most of his points came right at the basket or from the three-point line. Worst case scenario for Chet Holmgren, he struggles as the high man in the high-low offense or in the soft spot in the zone offense. So he did have some turnover issues at time. He, in fact, responded to a tweet of mine calling himself out for having turnover issues in the first half of a game where Mark Few had been somewhat critical of Chet despite the fact that he was 
on pace for a triple-double at at the end of the first half. But he did have some turnover issues in that high-low offense. The turnovers were kind of an issue for Gonzaga for a huge chunk of the season, and it mostly was from Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren and Anton Watson. They had a lot of turnovers this season, so front court passing and decision-making is something that wasn't at its best throughout the season. I don't think that Chet Holmgren's few errant passes are going to be a, a big negative factor when looking at his draft stock necessarily, but there was definitely times where he struggled with that. And finally, the last of the worst case scenarios, Chet Holmgren is still a first round pick, but maybe later in the lottery. And I guess he's potentially going to go later than first, but we're going to talk a little bit that, about that more in the third segment where he could end up going uh, and what that might look like for the Zags. But before we get there... Let's talk about today's sponsor, Bet Online. The 2022 NCAA tournament is in the books with a win secured by Bill Self and the Jayhawks of Kansas. While the Zags unfortunately fell short of the game's pinnacle week, that does not mean sports fans cannot remain in on the action. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information. From all the latest odds, contests, and player props, you name it. BetOnline remains the best spot for all of your latest sports developments, including podcasts and reviews for all the leagues this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. Heck, they even have lines on a fight between Will Smith and Chris Rock, should you be so inclined. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment three, still Andy Patton, still locked on Zag, still talking all things the unicorn Chet Holmgren after his one season in a Gonzaga uniform. Segment three, we're looking a little bit at his future. Last week, I believe it was on Thursday of last week, Chet Holmgren officially declared for the 2022 NBA draft. It was not reported whether he was going to sign an agent or not, but I'm here to tell you right now that Chet Holmgren is not returning to Gonzaga University next year. He is gone. He is going to play professional basketball next year. Uh, this was always the plan. This was always the plan. He was, uh, you know, again, the first consensus number one overall recruit in his class since R.J. Barrett. First number one recruit overall to ever come to Gonzaga, following in the footsteps of Jalen Suggs, who was also a from day one one-and-done player. So this is this was the plan. The plan is being executed perfectly by Chet Holmgren and his camp. Uh, he's going to be a one-and-done. He's going to be a top-five pick in the NBA draft. That is the almost near certainty for what Chet Holmgren is going to do. Uh, we're going to talk a ton about his draft status leading up to the draft. I have made appearances on the Locked On Blazers podcast with Mike G. Rich, as well as the Locked On Rockets podcast with JT Gatlin, talking about Chet Holmgren, his potential fit with those two teams. We're going to have guests on this show talking about Chet Holmgren, NBA draft experts, uh, hopefully get another opportunity to speak to Raphael Barlow, who runs the NBA Locked On NBA Draft podcast. So there's going to be a ton of updates on Chet Holmgren, how he's looking in workouts, what teams are talking to him, interviewing him, which once the lottery comes out, we'll have a much better sense of where he could end up going. I do want to take this space to talk a little bit about some of the potential teams, uh, just kind of a quick primer on a few of the teams that are picking towards the top and what that fit might look like. Again, we will dive into this much more as we get closer to June and the NBA draft. The first team that gets talked about a lot for Chet Holmgren is, of course, the Orlando Magic. They are bad. They are going to pick near the top of the NBA draft, and they also have Jalen Suggs on the team. And Suggs, of course, teammates with 
Chet Holmgren in high school. The, reun- the reunion between those two guys, Holmgren and Suggs, beginning their professional basketball career together in Orlando would be very cool, narratively, great story, super fun to follow. Uh, Orlando's very bad at developing players in general, and particularly big men, so there's a there's a risk there with, with him going to Orlando. I wouldn't love it if he ended up there, just because I'm not sure that they're going to maximize his skill set and his potential. I also think Orlando might put a little bit more pressure on him to perform right away, whereas some of the other teams are on maybe slower trajectories, or they already have big men where they're not going to rely on him so much right out of the shoots. So Orlando, fun fit because of Jalen Suggs, maybe not the best fit for Chet Holmgren's basketball career. Houston Rockets, again, already spoke on Locked on Rockets about this. I think he fits really well with the core of young guys that they currently have with Alperen Sengun, who plays a little bit like Drew Timmy as a front court player, with Jalen Green, who's a ridiculous high-level scorer and is going to get really, really good as he gets a little bit less raw in the NBA level. Kevin Porter Jr., their point guard, uh, if he continues to develop the way he has, that's a really great core. And tossing Chet Holmgren and his rim-running ability, his shot-blocking ability, his outside shooting ability into that mix could be really, really fun. So Houston's a very interesting potential landing spot for Chet, in my mind. The Pistons, very similar for a lot of reasons. Cade Cunningham is already developing into a superstar point guard. He's really, really good. Uh, If Chet was kind of a rim runner for him, a high pick-and-roll, pick-and-pop option for Cade. Uh, Sadiq Bey is a great wing for that team as well and a good defensive player. So having Chet and Bey playing defense is going to make this team very good on that end of the floor. And the combination of Cunningham and Holmgren in the front court offensively is going to be really, really good as well. The Thunder uh, have been one of the biggest tanking teams of the last couple of years. They certainly have an opportunity to add Chet Holmgren into that mix. Uh, they just don't have a clear direction right now. If he was paired with Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who is excellent, uh, I think that could be really fun, but I'm just not super confident in the rest of that team and kind of the direction that they're going to, to say that I would feel really good about Chet Holmgren ending up in Oklahoma City. Last two teams, the Blazers already discussed them a little bit, discussed them a lot on that episode of Locked on Blazers with Mike Richmond. I don't think that they're going to take him. I'm not sure they're going to pick high enough to get him. Uh, he would have a lot less pressure in year one. I think he'd be a backup center to Yusuf Nurkic. If he were to go to Portland, that might afford him the opportunity to, to develop a little bit slower and still end up being a contributor, but I'm not sure that there's a really clear-cut fit there. Uh, and then last but not least, the Indiana Pacers, who, of course, are very familiar with rostering big men from Gonzaga as they had DeMontis Sabonis for a very long time. Miles Turner is still there. Uh, Not sure there's a great fit with Holmgren and Turner right now. Their roster would have to change up a little bit, but if they're truly tearing it down to the studs, uh, adding Chet Holmgren as one of their first big rebuilding pieces is probably not the worst move that they could make. Uh, In terms of replacing Chet at Gonzaga, it's just not possible. I I, I don't think that that should be the way that Mark Few and the staff are approaching this offseason. It does not appear to be, for the record. There are players out there who have somewhat similar skill sets to Chet Holmgren. The most notable one is the player I've been talking about a handful of time, Daz Amak, from Utah Valley University, who averaged 19 and 15 last year, uh, was also a good shot blocker and also shot over 40% from three. He's not as high volume of a player as Chet Holmgren. He's not as good of a shot blocker as Chet Holmgren. He would be the closest player that you plug into your lineup that like 
can at least somewhat replace Chet Holmgren's production, uh, but it's going to be very difficult. I mean, he's a unicorn. There's a reason that that phrase has been tossed around with Chet so often is because he's so unique and his ability to impact the game outside of even just what shows up in the box score is, is monumental and very significant and something that Gonzaga won't be able to replace in year one. And that's okay. They'll find players that fit in. Uh, We'll talk about that a lot more in future episodes as we kind of get a sense of what this transfer portal is going to shake out like, whether they're going to end up with AMAC or Johnny Broom or somebody else, Efton Reed from LSU, whoever it may be who could end up replacing some of the front court production for the Zags. We'll kind of talk about how that's going to shake out. But for right now, it's au revoir to Chet Holmgren, an incredible career in Spokane. Even if it was only one year long, we're going to miss him. I'm very excited to see where he ends up in the NBA, how his NBA career gets off to a start, because I think he's going to be a very, very good professional basketball player, uh, and I'm excited to follow along with his career. All right, that is going to do it for me today. A handful more of these season and review episodes coming your way this week right here on the Locked On Zags podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube as well. Check out the channel there if you haven't yet and hit that subscribe button. All right, thank you again to those of you who have made Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. Now is a great time to make your second listen, the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. With the college basketball season wrapped up, give Raphael Barlow and a flurry of guests a listen as they prepare for the NBA draft. Hear thoughts on Chet Holmgren, Paolo Bancaro, and the rest of the NBA's future stars on Locked On NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. All right, thank you all for listening, and go Zags.